0: Hey everybody! Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Williams, and joining me today is Robbie Haleen. Hello everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Um, I was just thinking that we would have no tomfoolery today, but then I remembered you traumatized my cat. I traumatized your cat? Well, you, yeah. You brought a giant animal into our house. That's true. And so, we, we did a little test run last night to see would... Would Robbie's Gus, his very sweet, very old, very <laughs> <laughs> timid uh, dog, um, German Shepherd mix, German which, Shepherd mix, yeah. yeah, which you've pointed out, the only thing he inherited from the German Shepherd side was the color and yes. markings. And... Yes, zero zero aggression. Right. <laughs> so we wondered, would he mix with our two cats? So we could so we could watch Gus mm-hmm. and have him hang out at our house and. Uh, mixed results, mixed results.
1: But, Gus was uh, largely terrified.
0: Gus was terrible. Well, everyone was terrified. One, well, one <laughs> of our cats decided
1: I'm going to keep tabs on him. Yeah. He spent time. the evening hunting my dog, yeah. which had my dog unnerved yeah. to say the least.
0: Which the funniest part about that was when our hunter cat, um, chased Gus into the waiting arms of our scared cat <laughs> right. and then they both freaked out a little bit but um but yeah and so then last night we we had to deal with the a cat if you've ever wondered how does a cat respond when it's had a near-death experience in its mind and now is overwhelmed it with gratitude experience. right it perceived well you know that's the that's the scariest kind um the he he if you ever wonder what a cat does, what does an overwhelmingly grateful cat? Because cats have a reputation of <laughs> not being very grateful and That's kind of true. being, like, but what does an overwhelmingly grateful cat? How does he respond? And turns out he responds by laying on my face the whole night.
1: <laughs> so like,
0: so grateful, right? Just like wrapping his arms around me and putting his cheek on my cheek and like being... <laughs> sitting I'm so saying glad that's don't so leave me don't leave me i'm so i'm sorry for every every time i've taken you for granted
1: <laughs> i'm so glad that you're bigger than other big animals i'm glad that i could be a part of yeah of stirring a sense of gratitude in your cat
0: yeah i feel like he's turned a corner that's good like this is you know
1: it's a big day it's a big day so
0: speaking of big days you preached on an entire book of the bible robbie no big deal this isn't this a small <laughs> one this isn't uh, keeping with our New Year's resolution of wanting to have shorter sermons. No. It's, setting, it's not setting ourselves up for success when you say, I'm going to preach on this book today. That is, that's a fair point. But in fairness, that book is a letter. That is true. And that letter is not even a long letter. No, it is not. So, but it sounds better if I say you preached on the whole book. So 2 Peter, so mm-hmm. why did you, you, you touched on this a little bit in the sermon. Yes. But we're doing a series on Acts. Correct. So, so why, why not
1: talk about 2nd Peter?
0: Why in the middle of a series on Acts? Cuz we're not even speaking of Acts. I mean, we're like in I don't turn know, 2nd Peter. We're we're just at the end of month 2 or yep. we're right in in towards the end of the second month of preaching on Acts and all of a sudden we preach you preached on the book of 2nd Peter.
1: Yes, because we we thought it'd be helpful to to anchor some of the other epistles in the narrative of Acts, um, both to remind us that these, like we're talking about, the people who wrote the letters that we're reading in the rest of the New Testament, and um, and sometimes they can feel a little detached. We don't we don't read them as though they were a letter written by a real person to other real people experiencing real circumstances. And so, as we're going through Acts and we're describing the things that are happening in there, we thought that it might be helpful to occasionally take uh, a little break and and talk about, um, you know, when Paul is, after learning about Paul being in Philippi, then we'll take a week and talk a little bit about the letter to the Philippians. Um, Peter wrote, most likely wrote both of his letters after the narrative of Acts, and so um, this one wasn't necessarily tying the letter itself to the timeline, but we had just spent a few weeks talking about Peter and his ministry and a, a couple of his sermons, and so the the idea of talking about peter's letters or where we we spent some time talking about peter so let's remember he is the same peter who wrote this letter Mm -hmm. Uh, and and again kind of anchor that to a a, an actual person in real history which i think is it's so critical and i love because you're the you're the
0: mastermind behind that Acts outline so if people like it then they should credit you if people don't like that we did that then they
1: blame me yeah
0: they well the yeah. Resent me. Um I resent you for But the but to remember that that is such a an important thing to remember that these letters, this scripture was not written in a vacuum. It was not right. written in a where somebody just sat down and wrote about the principles of Christianity mm-hmm. or the, the doctrine of this religion. They are they are unique in that they are written to real people, like you said, real people in a real place in real time who are dealing with real issues. And the whole point of that is one of the beauties of having the narrative books like acts is that you get to see how they actually live this out. Like, what are they wrestling yeah. with? What's going on? Because you can, you can, um, you know, we use this example a lot, but you can read, love your enemies and say, well, that's a, that's a tenant of the Christian faith. Okay. Well, we can define that in all kinds of ways. Well, what helps give flesh to that and what helps us to understand what that actually means is when we see how Paul responds to the Philippian jailer or how they, um, how they deal with the the Roman government that is arresting them or whatever the or how they deal with the religious authorities and rulers who are persecuting them. They, we get to watch them actually put these things that they believed in action, which, which of course is the, the incarnation I mean that's the beauty of right. seeing Jesus for three years lives exactly according to um, the God's law. Like I mean he yeah. is he is perfectly in line with that. So whenever our definition of some command in Scripture differs from the way we see Jesus living it out, well then our interpretation of that principle is wrong. That's right. And um, so so that's what I, I love about this is it puts it in this context of. Um, of just of real life so you can actually see, understand more deeply what these Mm. things mean.
1: Oh, that's good. It is good, huh? It's so good that you,
0: that you couldn't even respond to that. But, um, I thought you did a really, uh, I thought you did a really good job with it. I was, I was marveling at, um, it was one of those sermons that I, I'm sitting there just getting a kick out of it, um, of feeling it for you. Whenever you have like a four point sermon, For example, Hmm. this was like a four point sermon. And when point one is the longest one that always like, I always get nervous about that when I'm preaching (laughs) and where you're going like, (laughs) which I've done that before where, cause I don't try to make them all equal and neither, neither do you. It's like, well, I'll say as much as I need to say about this one and then I'll say what I need to say about this one. And so I've had those situations where it's like, okay, I know point one is like two thirds of this sermon. So when you say, Hey, I've got four points and then point two is <laughs> well down the road. You're like, oh, boy. <laughs> but, um, but you, I, I, that was just what was going on in my head. I don't think anybody else, because yours wasn't that <clears throat> out of proportion. But, um, but I thought you did a really good job um, uh, handling it. I, w- I did want to ask, though, because there was one, you made a really good illustration, made a really great point about um, the importance of not only listening to voices that agree with us. Mm. And then you kind of, you went to Paul's um, talking about itching ears. And I just thought, I mean, that's, that's not a new thing. We've, we've said that many times, yeah. but the way that you articulated it on Sunday, for whatever reason, felt like it landed a little differently. It was just mm. a little bit, um, and it, it was, it was convicting and, and, and just being reminded of that if I, if I agree with everything, then something's like that's, that's not a good thing to always be, to yeah. always read people who I agree with everything to always read or listen to voices who just say and, and especially when you said um, that I go and now in our culture now with technology, the way that it is, I can just Google for that. So it's not even, right I don't even have to wade through voices that I don't agree with to find the one that I agree with and latch on to, I just can go directly to the person who
1: says this. And I've got Um, algorithms to help me out that say, if you like this one, you're really going to like this other one. You'll probably like this. And so it ends up concentrating that. So I only, I only even see people that I agree with. I only have an option of clicking on people I agree with.
0: Which is something, by the way, sidebar, I think there's still so many people who don't understand algorithms and they think, well, man, Every news article that pops up on my feed agrees with this. So right. everyone who is thinking rationally about this says this. Every
1: YouTube video yeah. agrees with this thing, and you have no idea that it's because I clicked on a that YouTube and Google, which I think actually are yes, they're owned the yes. same same company. Yes. Google is is using those clicks to say, okay, so I'm gonna only put stuff on your screen that you're likely to click right. on, and. And, and yeah, it gives the illusion of everyone agrees with me when the reality is the vast majority of the rest of the internet is hidden from me. I'm only right. seeing the stuff that I'm likely to click on because Google wants me to click on it. Yeah, that's all Google cares right. about. They don't care about what you think or no, believe or not whatever. To, they Google's just, not trying they just, to affirm no, me.
0: They just want they just want you to click. Right. And so so anyway, in that spirit, you, you said that, and it was a really strong point and an important point. But the question comes up in my mind of, okay, well, is there anything that we, like? How do we discern when to be anchored? Because mm-hmm. and and when to read people who affirm? Because there is a place to read things. It's good to read things that affirm things that I believe because it it confirms and deepens um, right. my my belief when when I read somebody articulately um explain some doctrine or some truth about scripture that that I believe it's good we we certainly would encourage people to be a part of a church that where the pastor is preaching um, is being faithful to scripture and so if you if I'm sitting there and saying well so how do I how do I read other voices what other voices do I read like what should I be disagreeing Does, are you saying that I should I should go and, and listen a lot to um, atheists, you know, or to um, to other theological viewpoints that are and just and mm. fill my head with these things that I don't believe. And, um, you know, because I, I know that's not your point, but I don't know if you could help provide some practical kind of handles of um, how do I discern when is a time to read things that are in you know, where I agree and and what kinds of things should I be reading or listening to that would push against
1: me? I think it's a really important question to be asking. Um, cause right. The goal is not that I want to be driven and tossed by the wind. I have no confidence in anything and I feel like I can't believe anything securely. Um, that's not helpful either. Scripture even warns against that. Um, but I, I would, I would argue first step is understanding the difference between convictions, beliefs, and opinions. Um, You can use different terms for these, but the basic idea of convictions, beliefs, and opinions, and if you kind of picture a bullseye with the concentric circles there, in the middle, the bullseye is uh, convictions. Those are things that, uh, that we would describe as orthodox Christianity. If you don't believe these things, then you are not in line with historical Christianity. If you do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he is the way, the truth, and the life, then you are divergent from historical Christianity, the definition of Christianity. So those are things that we don't and can't budge on unless we're saying, I'm no longer a Christian. Um, The next circle out is beliefs, and these are things that are really important. And we we hold our beliefs, uh, hopefully based on, I'm going to define it as these are things that we have a, a strong belief based on our understanding of an interpretation of scripture. So these are the things that are, that differing differing views are held among Orthodox Christians. So people who are definitely Christian would have differing views. They're still very important. And we arrive at those conclusions based on scripture, but um, these are going to be things like I would say like baptism, like mode of baptism, uh, or different methodologies for for doing church, um, different you know end times how, and end times is certainly going to be one of those where there's acknowledged acceptable positions within Orthodox Christianity that differ from one another. That hopefully we're not approaching any of those flippantly. We've we've arrived at that based on our understanding of Scripture, but there are other brothers and sisters in Christ who hold a different view. And then the outside is opinions and and this is stuff like I think a worship service should be an hour i someone else thinks it should be two hours someone else thinks it should be 20 minutes okay whatever one person likes this style of worship music versus another style of worship music okay great like this that's not a, a, a Christian orthodoxy is not dependent on whether or not you have a little bluegrass twang or a lot of electronic synth in your. Uh, or you prefer acapella. Like, so the first the first step is determining what are those things that are in that center circle, the closed-handed things that we can't budge on, um, and then what are the things that are in the open-handed, like they're really important, but I hold them with an open hand, and then what are the things that are literally just opinions? They, are, they don't matter at all because oftentimes we put beliefs or even opinions into that convictions section and act like, these are the things that we're supposed to divide over. Um, so once once you've kind of established that, then I think convictions, like by all means, look for people who are affirming those convictions. And if you mm. are reading somebody who is denying those convictions, well, that's a pretty major red flag. Um, Before I go on to point, hopefully helpful point two, do you have any well, thoughts
0: so on that? Well, really I think that's really helpful. And I think one of the reasons why we, often tend to put opinions or beliefs into the realm of conviction is because those opinions are formed out of our convictions. Mm-hmm. And so it gets to be where this is where we've talked about before, where you don't want to mistake a conclusion that someone reaches with the conviction that led to that. Yeah. So you might share yes. conviction with someone and you know, I I don't want to I, I want to intentionally not pick like a super <laughs> A super controversial one, but um, we've used before the example of there's there's no question that as Christians we are to care for the poor, we are to help and care for the poor. Now that's a conviction, and if you say right. if somebody says, well, no, we we don't have any responsibility to the poor, well, now you're you're denying what Jesus how Jesus lived and what he literally said. You're so, denying
1: <laughs> every literally every Old Testament prophet. <laughs> right. Jesus and most of the epistles. Right. Like you have you are denying 80% of the Bible to say we have zero responsibility to the poor. Right. So and conviction. so
0: so you have that conviction but then that gives way to a belief in kind that's of right. how this takes um takes form yep. and what is the what specifically should the role of the church be in that how active, how central like should, should every church um, host a homeless shelter? For example, should every, sh- should every church building house the, the, um, the homeless or is it enough like that a church would partner with a, you know, government organization. And then you get into opinions even like, um, and, and maybe that's more of an opinion even, but then you go into opinions of like, well then what should the government's role be in that? And should it happen through, Um, welfare systems or should it happen through job training or should it happen through the, like there's, there's all these opinions about that. And I think one of the clarifying things is I, I want to read and listen to people that when I'm going to be pushed, I want to be pushed by people who share my convictions, but have arrived at different beliefs or opinions. Absolutely, That's kind of the, for me, that's, that's the litmus. So you brought up baptism as a belief, well, i i I'm not going to just listen. I, I'm not going to fill my head with all kinds of arguments about baptism if they come from different convictions. But if I have if I have somebody that shares my same conviction about what it means to follow Jesus and about the importance of baptism, but they disagree with me on that, that's who I want to. That's who I want to read yeah. about that um, and and hear that so that I can understand. Like, how did how did you arrive at this belief or this opinion from this conviction that we both share? Um, certainly, when it comes to how to deal with political situations or social issues, or whether it's you know racial reconciliation or what's going on right now in the Ukraine, um, I want I want to hear from voices that where we clearly share the same convictions. And hold to life, death, resurrection of Jesus, you know, the redemption and renewal of man through Christ, through grace alone, like all these different things that we would say, these are convictions. But then that has led them to say, so therefore, I think this is where I think we need to, um, this is, this is where I'm landing on this issue. Um, I want, I want to read and I want to hear from that person. That's right.
1: That's right. And I think, I think that that's the second piece of, so understanding belief. Oh, did I give, did I give your second point? You, uh, you, you transitioned you yes. perfectly into, into point two. Well done, Jay. Um, yeah, that we're, that we're looking for, first of all, that, that when we do hear something we disagree with our knee jerk response is, well, obviously they're wrong, mm-hmm. right? So, so we need to, we need to <laughs> preempt that knee jerk. If I disagree with it, obviously the other person is wrong and, and start with the humility of what can I learn? What do I need to learn in this? What is, uh, even better, I think the best question is, what is the Holy Spirit trying to teach me in this? Because unless my argument is I know all there is to know and the Spirit has literally fully sanctified me and taught me everything, then I acknowledge that the Spirit is trying to teach me more things, which means there's some things that I need correction in. So to approach it with humility and say, what can I learn in this? How can I grow? How can I... How can I allow the spirit to reshape my beliefs and opinions in such a way that it is better aligned with Christ's convictions is, is just a better approach. And, and the, a, a really practical way that I would encourage people to do that is our, our second kind of knee jerk response is when we encounter that thing we disagree with and we want to learn more about it, we find someone who refutes that position. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to look for someone who's going to say, "Who's going to explain to me why this understanding of baptism is wrong?" Yeah, that's a horrible, it's terrible. horrible, it's a terrible way to do that. I mean, that is the definition of itching ears. All you're doing then is you're going to hear a caricature of the argument, right. and and right. just uh, a, an unfair <laughs> blast. And the, and the reality is the most the The most well-intentioned person who is explaining to you why this other belief is the worst is still unintentionally going to be choosing the weakest points of that and then dismantling it because that's how we do that. The Which best... by the way, if you want to
0: know what that feels like,
1: do a YouTube search of someone refuting some
0: conviction that you hold or some right. belief that you hold and do, do the reverse of that right. and then listen to their argument as to why your point of view is wrong and right. and tell me how how well they articulate right. your point of view. Yeah, you spend the whole time
1: going. That's not even what I think. Right. That's, That's exactly never right. how I would you describe that. I don't know anybody who believes that. right. I, I would, never say, yeah, that, right. Right. I would like,
0: never say that. Nobody ever says that. Yeah. You just refute it. It's the right. straw man. It's that. Right. It's so the straw man.
1: Yeah. It's um. I'm going. I'm going to take the strongest aspects of my position and pit them against the weakest aspects right. of your position to try to make your position seem absurd. That's a horrible way to grow in your understanding of something. Find the best best argument that you can for that art for that position that you disagree with find the person that you respect the most who holds that position and have and and listen to them articulate it and and then you have a chance of hearing the best arguments for one position versus the best arguments of another and honestly in the last couple of decades the church has done a pretty good job church publishing companies have done a good job of releasing things like four views on the end times and they'll gather four different theologians or pastors or whatever. And, and will say like, okay, here's, here's views on, um, baptism. Here's four views on the end times. Here's four views on the sovereignty of God. Here's four views, you know, you know, whatever these things that there's been uh, debate or discussion about throughout church history, they'll gather three or four different people who hold the different views and allow them an opportunity to like basically give their best pitch for this particular view. Um, that, that is a much better way to go about that, to hear the best articulation of that. And, and that's where you're going to go, where, where if you approach that humbly, you're going to have an opportunity to hear how that person, by the reading of scripture and believing in its authority, has arrived at a conclusion that is different than yours. And you may discover you've arrived at the wrong conclusion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say that when I've done that, Sometimes I walk away, um, changing my mind. Mm-hmm. There, there are times in my life yeah. where I've investigated something and I have, I have switched my view on a particular issue. Um, there are many other times where it is affirmed my view. Yeah. I've listened to the best argument from the person I respect most on that side, and I still say, "Yeah, I, I, mm-hmm. I can respect that," but I that actually. You you telling me the strongest points only affirms more, like makes me feel more convicted of the, right. the, the, the view that I have. Um, but what it, so sometimes it does one of those, sometimes it does the other. But what always happens is my love for the church is broadened. Absolutely. That that always happens. And my it, humility toward my humility, that other right. position. I, yes. I,
1: I stop saying right. ignorant and divisive things like, well, I believe this because I read the Bible. And if you read the Bible, then you would hold my (laughs) position and completely dismiss the reality that people who know scripture way more than you and I do sometimes hold differing opinions about these things. And so when you hear, when you, when you, in humility, you're willing to listen to a, a good, thoughtful, biblical articulation of a different position, it allows you to, to grow in your understanding that the body of Christ is way bigger than you and and that that person also loves scripture and Jesus they right. just arrived at different conclusions than you did yeah
0: the I, one example for me is there's a there's a youtube video that i've recommended many times to people um, about the end about the end times it's uh, i believe the title of the video is an evening of eschatology mm-hmm. yeah and it's it's this great roundtable it's like 2 hours long so if you're you know if you kind of want to nerd out on that if you're a person that is Curious about end times and curious about different views. Maybe you've always held a particular view. Here it's a round table of these pastors and theologians who all love each other, who are all brothers in the faith, but they hold, they each hold a different view. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting. I've actually watched that video probably three or four times. I've listened to it, like I'll have it Mm -hmm. on the back because I just, I just loved it. Part of what I loved about it was here were, you know, four guys who are being gracious to each other, but then they're also sharing, you know, beliefs that they have. These, these yes. are beliefs that they've arrived at through a lot of study and a lot of prayer and they're different from each other. Yeah. And, um, and I always walk away from that um, feeling more affirmed in my point of view, which I'm not even going to say which, which one I am with, but it always adds more humility to be yes. reminded Oh, this is not, this is not a black and white issue, right? This is not so clear cut. And, um, and I would just say if that's the case with biblical issues like that, how much more with three or four or five times removed things of like social issues and, and how we absolutely like the minutia of how we go about dealing with things like racial injustice and abortion. And like, there's just so many of these things that we have a conviction that we should all share, and then that will lead to beliefs, and then that will lead to opinions. Yep. And every time you get removed more and more from those convictions, you got to know there's going to be more diversity. That's right. And, and there should be more there diversity. Be more That's diversity. the
1: body of Christ being
0: the body of Christ. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, think about think about like if one of the ways that this happens too is in the churches, when you talk about gospel communities or small groups or whatever, you're always, if you've ever been in a small group or gospel community or anything like that, you're always going to have a mix of things that people think are most important. Like mm-hmm. some people are going to say the most important thing is that we just hang out together. Like if we don't do anything else, we just need to hang out. Um, and, and, Other people will say, well, no, the most important thing that we need to do is open the Bible together. Like we need to study scriptures together. And somebody else is going to say, no, the most important thing is that we go and serve together, that we go. Well, they all believe strongly. They hold these beliefs. Um, But the body of Christ is this beautiful thing that that it's designed that way. Like the, the design is not that you would have all the people who all agree with the same thing because that's what ends up happening. So now somebody says, well, I'm going to go find a small group where they know the most important thing is that we study the Bible every week. Right. And now you have a group that never never doesn't really doesn't ever hang out you right. don't doesn't develop any kind of community right. you don't they actually don't go love serve each other anybody. Yeah, they just right. you know or you know the the person goes i'm going to go find somebody that knows that the most important thing we do is go and volunteer and then but they never really disciple one right. another in the word they you don't ever open the bible um, and you never, yeah. yeah so you you need all that we need all that in the church Um, But the only way that works is to have this kind of humility and to be able to understand that the goal isn't even uniformity. We talk about that all the time. So unity is around convictions. Yes. But we don't want uniformity
1: of opinions. No. That's no fun. And super unproductive. And And then functionally what we end up with is a church of all hands. And a church of all ears and another church of all mouths, right? Instead right. of the body functioning right. as the body, we subdivide over beliefs and usually even opinions, right? Because right. I'm going to go to this church because I like the style of music better. So I'm going to divide over an opinion and, mm-hmm. and just continue to further and further divide the body so that we have all these dismembered parts instead of being together and having that person in the room who says, Hey guys, let's not forget to open the Bible today. And everyone goes, Oh, great idea. So glad that you reminded us right. of that. And someone else going, Hey, and let's plan what we're going to do for dinner for Friday night. Cause we should all hang out and just enjoy being together. And you go, Oh, great. So glad that right. you said that. And, and all of those things, uh, come together. and then you've got the person who's, you know, who's saying, Hey, and, and don't forget we're doing this thing Sunday after church to serve that family who's in need and and you have the body functioning as the body because you have all of those different unique aspects, but that requires humility and my willingness to say, I don't, I don't think that for you to, oh God, there was going to be way too many negatives in that sentence. So I'm going to reset, (laughs) start over three, two, one. I don't say that if you don't do it exactly the way I do, we're all wrong. Right. Like I'm willing to say, I like that you do it differently. I like that you have other opinions because that stretches me and that makes us better together.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, that's, that kind of comes back to the idea of that. That's why it's so important to listen to different voices because even it's not even about that thing. Like I would, I would even argue that the issue at hand, like if you listen to evening of eschatology, the best thing that's going to happen to you there, it has nothing to do with eschatology. Right. It, it's everything to do with growing in humility, growing in a love for the church and the diversity of the church and understanding what are closed handed things and what are open handed things and listening to different voices helps us, um, really kind of zero in on that. Cause one thing that, you know, when we're, when we've trained pastors or want, um, people before we talk about like, you want to major in the majors and everyone yeah. always says that. And my, my my line in that is always like everyone agrees on that it's just we just agree we disagree on how many majors there are right and what are the majors what are the majors and how many are there I mean usually you start with like well life death resurrection of Jesus you know saved by grace alone like some of these things are okay everyone agrees those are majors and then you're gonna get somebody right and you know the style of music and whoa, wait a second why right. is that how'd that how'd that right. get in there but um there are people who say yeah I only major in the majors um and one of the majors is we always sing every verse of every hymn because to yep. to not do that is akin to blaspheming the Holy Spirit, um, which is kind of what my mom thought. She hated cutting out
1: Only verses when, of hymns. when
0: you get the, we're going to sing one, three, and four. Yeah, she hated that. Oh, she hated that. Um, so uh, I loved it personally <laughs> as a kid growing up. I yeah. was like, yes, please. Oof, one one and four. four. Awesome. Yeah, let's skip it. Um, but... We, we have to get to a place where we, and I think if we tether on those convictions and we're firmed in, in what we do believe and what we hold and what actually bonds us together, then that does both. It broadens our love for the church, but it also solidifies us. We're not, we're not being tossed about, you know, by every wind, you know, and every doctrine, like we, we are firm in these things that we hold. And then we know that there is grace and liberty and, differences in here and, and that those things are good and designed that way. Like, again, like you can't skip past the idea that God designs it that way. There's not, it it was not designed so that we would all think about everything the exact same way, because then there wouldn't be a hand and a foot and a mouth and, you know, all these different, um, parts of the body that are meant because none of us can fully fulfill the body of Christ on our own.
1: No. And, and and part of that working together is helping one another find these good resources, yes. find those voices. So, if if you are hearing this and you think that all sounds great, but I have the faintest idea how I even find a reliable biblical voice that can communicate the you know opposing argument to this thing that I am struggling with, please ask us. Yeah. And the vast majority of issues, we can probably steer you toward a resource um, that's that is biblical and and reliable and well communicated on on most issues. So, and if not, then we're happy to do some digging and, and help you find it. So please don't hesitate to reach out and, and ask for help in those things um, because it is, it is so important. That is, that is time well spent on our behalf uh, uh, to, to help you to find those resources so that you can grow in what Peter's talking about, to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Not just to reaffirm our own opinions, but to grow in the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ, which means we need to hear things outside of our own head, outside of our own context, outside of our own background, uh, and in order to be, in order to be stretched, in order to learn, in order to grow.
0: I know you're landing the plane and this is what you love is when I like grab the yoke and pull back up, but the, uh, but just one other thing is don't be afraid to read people who don't share your convictions, though. Also, like even at that root level, when we talk about, well, what are these voices? Um, I just read with a different filter. So I, yep. I find it really yep. helpful to read or listen to um, atheist humanists hmm. because I want to know, OK, how did you how did you get there? What, what is going on there? Because that helps me understand how the gospel intersects. It helps me to share the gospel with somebody. Nothing communicates love to someone and care quite like being able to articulately, you know, state their position. Yes. Like to show somebody I understand where you are coming from. I understand what your point of view is. But I, I disagree with it or I, this is, um, but I have something better, I think, to offer yes. in Christ. And so I don't listen to those things because I'm thinking, well, maybe maybe I'm wrong about this. Maybe I'm not, like, it's not, it's it's a different filter. It's a different mindset. So if I'm reading somebody that I share convictions and most beliefs with, and now we have this different opinion, I'm really reading it very open-mindedly, like yes. saying, hey, convince me of this. But if I'm reading you know a humanist philosopher who's an atheist like a naturalist or something like that i'm not reading that with the same kind of right open mind of like oh well, i don't know maybe like i'm convicted of like the holy spirit has instilled in me and saved me and i like i'm i'm convicted there i'm yeah. held there but as a way of loving that person i want to understand better so that when i'm sharing the gospel with somebody i'm i'm not creating a straw man argument that right. I'm not assuming that they haven't thought these things through or that they don't care about anybody but themselves or whatever the case is. I want to, I want to understand that position. So that was just a thing that like, I think all that, but, but then it's just a quantity thing. So I don't, right. I don't spend 90% right. of my time listening to that or reading that. Um, it's a much smaller percentage of my time. And, um, and there's probably, there's a scale in there somewhere, but um, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to throw out numbers. <laughs>
1: No math. You love math and statistics
0: and whatnot. I do. I would say most of our time should be spent reading.
1: I mean, most of our time
0: should be spent reading scripture. Correct. Um, And then as far as outside of scripture, I think most of our time should be spent reading from people that we are trying to emulate and follow and and learn from and be discipled in. Um, And then I think we go on to these other tiers. I just think it's important to have a a regular feeding of those other things, but that doesn't mean that that should be the dominant thing. Totally agree. There you go. You can try landing. You want me to land the plane? Yeah, you? I want you to land the plane. All right. Well, yeah. on that note. We've got control. Yeah. So, yeah, please let us know if we can help you, like Robbie said, um, with any of this. Uh, we're just trying to figure out how to follow Jesus together. Um, and we are uh, just so, it's it's our joy and our privilege to be able to help you in that process. So, um, you can email us um, or just talk to us on a Sunday. And uh, and we will try to to help you the best way that we can. So until next time, thank you for listening and grace.